welcome to our Halloween episode. I am your host, Marissa. I could not be more excited for this. Today we have Dr. Christy Somner. She is the founder of Soul Sister Paranormal. In 2014, Christy coupled her passion for travel, history, and the paranormal and formed Soul Sisters Paranormal with her twin sister, Dr. Jenny Somner, conducting paranormal investigations. They have investigated at famous locations such as the Adela County Jail in Mississippi, the Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary in Tennessee, the Grand Old Lady Hotel in North Carolina, and many others. Prior to forming Soul Sisters Paranormal, Christy holds a PhD in public affairs with an emphasis on criminal justice, was a senior director for a registered traveler company focused on biometric clearances for the traveling public. And she was a senior consultant for a biometric credentialing company. And she was a college professor at Metro State College of Denver and the University of Central Florida. Wow, what a boss. So awesome. To listen to the evidence and book Soul Sisters for an investigation of your own, visit soulsistersparanormal.com and follow them on Facebook at Soul Sisters Paranormal. Oh my God, Christy is one of the coolest people I have ever spoken to. No joke, after getting to know Christy and listening to some of the things she's experienced in her investigations, I had so much adrenaline, I felt like I could go outside and run a marathon. Christy shares advice on pivoting to a new career and knowing when you are on the right path. And then obviously we got into some paranormal talk, like her experience investigating the famous Lizzie Borden house. And there were a few topics that I want to highlight that I found really, really cool. But one of them being that she has three theories on why ghosts and your spirits stay on earth. And it blew my mind. I shared that with tons of people after we did this interview. I had the absolute best time learning about Christy and the paranormal, and I know you will too. And with that said, let's get this Halloween episode started. Yeah, I'm sure you've done a ton of these. <laughs> I've done a few. Yeah, I've yeah. done a few, but that, that makes sense. So we're good. So you must be getting a ton of publicity though from that inquiry you put out. I have been yes a lot especially since October's coming up um you're actually my second one and I've got one more after you today um I've got one at 10 tonight as well so it's kind of ramping up a little bit it is um and just uh, just kind of getting the word out and it's it's a lot of fun I, I love speaking with new people and you know meeting people and, and getting to kind of talk about what I love to do so that gets me into this so Krista you hold a PhD in public affairs with an emphasis on criminal justice you were a senior director for a registered traveler company that focused on biometric clearances for the traveling public. And you were also a consultant for a biometric credentialing company. And you were a, you're a former college professor. Mm -hmm. And now you are a owner of a paranormal investigating company with your sister and now starting a whole other thing as well. So like... <laughs> what like <laughs> totally i am insanely curious about what <laughs> why 
And well, how- yeah, a lot of divergence in, in my life, for sure. To your point, yes, I have a PhD in public affairs with an emphasis on criminal justice. Background really started in aviation security after 9-11. Uh, my interest grew in, in that. So biometric credentialing, obviously, in, in 2001 started to become um, the buzzword with regard to aviation security, both for the traveling public as well as airport access control. So I got into that, and I was a se- senior consultant of one of the largest registered traveler programs in the country at the time. Uh, did that for several years and then started teaching at Metro State College of Denver. I taught aviation security and aviation marketing and management at that that college. And after that, it was really kind of one of those things where I also consulted on biometrics, but I kind of wanted to take a step back from corporate life and corporate environment. It started to get a little bit too political for me really just kind of fell into Soul Sisters as um, as as really a hobby with my my sisters. We're actually sisters on the team. So it is one of those things that is self-funded. It's not actually a career. It is a self-funded endeavor for us. But through that, I was able to starting, I really started to be able to, to move to a path of a career choice with it as my friend and I in the last couple of uh, weeks here just opened a, uh, a museum in Huntsville, Tennessee that's focusing on uh, the historical aspect of crime and uh, and punishment, but also the history of the paranormal as well. So we'll be offering paranormal tours, paranormal investigations, as well as historical tours for the general public. Wow. So you really, so you really left because it just got too political and this was already a hobby. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it, it started, Soul Sister started in 2014. My sisters and I, we live in different parts of the country. We're all professionals in our established careers. And we wanted to get together a few times a year to do girls trips, just different locations, different cities. We'd meet up and we wanted to do something a little bit different in each of those cities, to, you know, just kind of different, not so much to, just the mainstream of just hanging out. But in 2014, we decided to go to Moundsville, West Virginia, which is where the West Virginia State Penitentiary is located. And that's reported to be one of the most haunted locations in the country. Uh, So we had a family friend that sat on the board of that facility and he said, while you're up here, why don't you just spend the night in the prison, one of the nights that you're here and and see if you can talk to any of our resident spirits. So we jumped at that opportunity. We grabbed a couple of night vision video cameras, a couple of uh, voice recorders, and we stayed the night in the West Virginia State Penitentiary and came away from that experience with what we felt was compelling, unexplainable evidence. We heard footsteps, we heard door slamming, we heard men voices when then there was nobody there. And after that, it really became one of the things that we, we wanted to focus on, both from the historical perspective, as well as the, the paranormal perspective. So we get to go to these locations that have a very rich historical narrative, and we're able to, uh, to tell that story to our audience who may not know about them. And then we couple that with our paranormal experiences during our investigations at those locations. Were you scared? <laughs> we were startled on several occasions. Yes. You know, you, you can't be in a, a former maximum security prison and, and hear door slamming and not be startled. But for us, it was fascinating. It, and it really showed that it's different than, than what you see on, on mainstream media or mainstream television shows. It, it really is one of those things that it, it, it's, it requires a lot of patience, a lot of pre-planning and historical research, obviously, before you go into these locations. But we've never been to a location where we've run out screaming or, you know, been so scared that we've left and vowed to never go back. But we, we've, we've had instances of being startled for sure. 
when you just get like Ubered off at a jail, do they just say the keys under the mat? Like how does that, <laughs> how does that work? So a, a, a lot of the times we'll either contact the owner of the establishment and ask if we can investigate or they'll contact us and say, you know, we, we've heard about what you do and can you come in and investigate our location? And, and that's how we, we get asked to go into the location. But typically when we go, there is a docent or a volunteer that will meet us before the investigation. We'll actually take a day tour of the facility uh, to kind of look at at things in, in the daylight to see if we can find evidence of environmental factors that could contribute to the reports of paranormal. And by that, I mean, we look at vehicular traffic, we look at airline patterns overhead, train traffic, dogs in the neighborhood, kids in the neighborhood, anything that during the night, if somebody were to hear those things, they could mistake it for a paranormal activity. So we really put our research background to work during that day tour because we want to control for everything environmentally that we can control for during the investigation. And then the night of the investigation, as I said, a, typically a, a volunteer or a docent will meet us, kind of give us the lay of the land, and then we have the facility for the night. So it'll just be our team um, at the location for the night, in some cases, two nights or a weekend. And yeah, we'll set up our equipment and we'll go to town during uh, conducting a paranormal investigation. Why the night? Why is it oh, always the night? Everything I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and, and really, I do get that question a lot. And it's really not. A lot of our investigations that, that we do during the day, we've captured just as much paranormal activity or unexplained activity as we do during nighttime investigations. For the larger commercial locations, such as Moundsville, West Virginia, or you know the Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, most of those facilities have general operating hours during the day. So they give tours, they give historical tours during the day. So we can't get in until after they close the doors at night. And also, you know, during the night, uh, the, your senses are definitely heightened on a different level. So because it's night, we don't rely on our sight as much as we do our hearing, our sense of smell, our sense of touch. So those things are heightened and it just leads to a a different type of investigation when you do it at night. Also, a lot of our equipment is designed to work better in, in darkness, such as laser grids. They obviously show up better in the dark rather than the light. Uh, a lot of our other equipment, such as REM pods or K2 meters, those things that are designed to measure different things, um, most of them have light arrays on them. So when they go off, it's easier to, to distinguish that they're going off in the night. When were you the most scared? Where were you where you were like, Oh, crap. <laughs> uh, I'd have to say that that was the moment we were at the Grand Old Lady Hotel. And this is a hotel that was built in Balsam, North Carolina in 1905 as part of the railway system. And uh, this, this hotel during when, when it was in its heyday was extremely opulent. It has about 100 guest rooms. It's three stories, grand sweeping uh, staircases, hardwood floors, ballroom, um, uh, a really cool kitchen area. And um, so when we investigated there, we actually had the entire property to ourselves for an entire weekend. So we went, we got there on Friday and we left Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And so on the property that night or, or that weekend was myself, my twin sister, Jenny, and Miranda Young from Ghost Biker Explorations. She was collaborating on this investigation with us. So it was just the three of us, three females for the entire weekend, this, this hotel. And so during the, the entire time we were there, we were hearing things that we couldn't explain. Footsteps, males' voices, children's voices. Things were moving on their own when we asked them to. Things were turning on when we asked them to. Um, for example, we were in the kitchen area at about two o'clock in the morning on Saturday. And I just said, you know, if you're here, why don't you make something for us or turn something on and the coffee pot turns on. Um, and this was at two o'clock in the morning. Coffee pot should not have come on at that time. 
So on Saturday night, uh, we had decided that, like I said, there's about 100 guest rooms and they're configured in different ways. Some of them are single beds, some of them are double beds, and then they also have a, a several suites. And so the suite that we decided to, to sleep in that night um, had an interior bedroom with two beds where Jenny and I were sleeping and then an, an exterior room um, where Miranda was staying, but the entire suite was only accessed through one door into the hallway. So that was the only way in or out of this room. And so we had a night vision video camera on the inside of the door and a night vision video camera on the outside of the door into the hallway. And we all had voice recorders with us on our nightstands. And so you hear us say goodnight. Um, you know, we talk for a few minutes, but you hear us say goodnight. And about 15 minutes after that, a male's voice from the outside of the door says, please don't go. And we all heard it. Everything that was recording that night captured it. And Miranda said, what, what was that? And I said, there's a man outside our door. And she said, yeah, that's what I thought. And so that was, uh, that, that EVP was so, or electronic voice phenomena, that was so loud in the moment that that was one of those where you kind of sit up in bed and you're like, okay, I know that there's nobody else on this property. There's no way anybody else could get in yet. I'm hearing this voice outside this door. So that really makes us sit up and take notice. But, you know, after that, it's like, okay, that's pretty darn cool. We just caught that and we just roll over and go back to sleep. And you just go right back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Cause at that, I mean, at that time, that was about, that was about three 30 in the morning. So, I mean, we had been investigating all day. And so, uh, you know, you just, uh, it's just one of those things it's like, yeah, we, cause we know, we, we knew we caught it. We knew everything that was recording. There's no way that it would not have been captured on our, on our equipment. So to know that we captured that was, was extremely compelling. So did you grow up like have it like really into it? Did you have tarot cards, Ouija boards? Was this something your whole life that you were interested in? We've always been fascinated with it. And we've always had a belief in an afterlife that something happens after we die. My parents were very good about letting us kind of make our own decisions with regard to religion. Uh, I mean, I will say I am a Christian. I do believe in heaven. And I do believe that a majority of spirits will ascend to that after they die. But there was never any moment where we saw an apparition or anything like that that says, okay, I'm a firm believer. It's just one of those things that we always kind of grew up knowing that there's something after this, right? I mean, if you subscribe to the theory that we're made up of energy and energy can't be created or destroyed, we have to go somewhere. Something happens to us when we die. And so it's just one of those things that we've always kind of grew up believing in. And uh, like I said, in 2014, we just had that really cool opportunity. And it was one of those that we said, if we ever got the chance to go on an investigation, we would do it. And it just really presented itself um, when we went to Moundsville. And after that, it just, it just really kind of catapulted us into what we're doing now. I have twin sisters. I must mention that pretty much every other episode, but they're younger than me. So uh -huh. it's cool. I understand the twin thing just mm -hmm. from an outside perspective. Secondly, can you go into that a little bit? And I'm not saying it to challenge you. I'm saying it to educate myself. Mm -hmm. So you believe that it is because that was actually one of my questions. Like, what is it? Is it a soul spirit? Probably. I don't know if that's the same thing, but what is your philosophy on what that energy is? And then it, like you mentioned, you're a Christian. I grew up Christian as well. Like then if you're here, what's your purpose? And like, how do you get to the clouds or the 
or the fire? <laughs> and, and that's a great question. I, and, and I appreciate you asking it like that. Um, so again, I, I do believe that there is a heaven after this. That's the next realm that that happens after this. But I don't believe that in most, in a lot of cases that it's instantaneous. I believe that it you're either waiting for somebody or something to happen that has to be fulfilled before you move on. Or, you know, you hear it in popular media, unfinished business. I do think that there are some instances of unfinished business. And then the third theory that I work on is is that there's fear or retribution of what comes next. So I think we see that in jails or prisons where prisoners who weren't so great in life, they're afraid to ascend to what's next because they're afraid of, of that punishment. So I think those are the, the spirits that we communicate with. And when I say spirits, I do believe that we're communicating with the essence, the soul of a person who had a, a human existence, right? They lived, they died, and that's who we're trying to communicate with. And I think throughout our investigation process, we've encountered all three of those theories that I just mentioned, whether it be unfinished business or fear of retribution, or that something has to manifest before they move on to whatever's next. That answered my question when you said manifest, because I had, well, let's say God, like sadly, it's a five-year-old girl. And she's still around, like she's so pure and innocent. What could you be waiting for? Right. But that manifestation, I feel like right. answered that. Right. And children are interesting. Um, we, we've had, we have connected to what I feel are, are the spirits of children. And in those instances, I feel that they know that they're dead, but they don't know how to find whatever's next. So again, that, that unfinished business, if you will, they, they, they're trying to find whatever's next. So for example, we were at Hales Bar Dam in, Gills, in Guild, Tennessee. The, this dam, it has a series of tunnels that runs underneath it. And it was built in 1913. It was in operation until 1962. And there were reports of school children using these tunnels to get from one side of the river to the other. And in the, in the early 1950s, there was an accident and a couple of children were killed in these tunnels. So when we were investigating there, we were down in this series of tunnels and we were just asking questions. And Michelle had said, why are you here? Why haven't you moved on? And she didn't hear it in the moment, but when we went back and listened to the voice recorder, it captured a child's voice saying, I can't, I'm stuck. And so in that moment, I, I think he knew he knew he was dead, but he's stuck to find whatever's that light to get to or how to get to that light to move on. And so I think that's the reason why we see some children spirits that, again, they just can't find that way to get to whatever's next. That's sad. It was sad. Um, when we heard it, I mean, I, I, it broke my heart, honestly, when I heard it. And every time I hear it, uh, you know, every time I watch the video again, it, it breaks my heart again, because he's like, I, I, he, he says it like that. He's like, I can't, I'm stuck. So it is. And, and those are some of the interesting things that we get. You know, when we go into these locations, it, 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 you, if you watch any of our videos, the common theme that we have is, what is your story? Can we tell your story? And for him, that's his story, right? He, he can't move on because he's stuck. And so, you know, that the fact that we can tell that like that, you know, I, I consider it a privilege to be able to, to communicate with them and, and to tell that story. So I lived in Troy, New York. Troy, New York is one of, I think we don't have fact check, but I'm on here, but I know for a fact, it is definitely one of the oldest towns in New York. Mm -hmm. There was a real Uncle Sam and he's buried in Troy. So it's very old. You know, there was the Battle of Saratoga up here, mm -hmm. you know, various, you know, very, very old. So there's, you know, those books that have the historical 
the historical pages you can get them at like a Barnes and Noble. It's mm-hmm. like the history of Troy or the history of whatever. <laughs> right. So when I lived there, it, I mean, this house is way over a hundred years old. It was a horse doctor and people would find bones when you, you know, did the lawn and things like that. And I was told, Hey, that one room is haunted upstairs. Cause it was mm-hmm. like an old school double, uh, you know, apartment at the bottom and then another apartment that was twice the big that had, you know, essentially a three-story building. And someone said, just heads up, your upstairs bedroom above yours is haunted. And I'm like, okay, like, okay. But I didn't hear anything for a while. Mm -hmm. Then one night I wake up to stomps, like very, very, very elaborate stomps. I know Mm -hmm. it stomps. I was a brat as a kid. I know what stomps sound like. And I just went to back to it. I didn't know what else to do. And I've heard it. I think it woke me one, one more other time. Wow. But I had to like, then go upstairs. Like that's where my closets were in the spare bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And it going back to that book there in that historical book is the house. And someone in that room is looking out the window. Oh, Wow. Oh, that's and it just gives me chills. It just gives me goosebumps right now. Even like thinking it was probably definitely not the same, not the same person, but just the stories with the person in the window and you couldn't make out who it was and mm-hmm. how old was that house in the 1800s. It just, I, I don't know when you can't, when you, when you can't go anywhere, it's your house, you just mm-hmm. sleep on it, which surprised my behavior. I thought I'd, if I'd ever, I experienced anything like that. I feel like I'd be shaking. Mm-hmm. It, it is one of those things, you know, we, we've, we have a lot of people that contact us to, to ask if we would investigate their homes or investigate their businesses. And, you know, a, a lot, most of the emails start with, don't think that I'm crazy, but, you know, and then they'll proceed to tell their stories. Uh, but a lot of people that contact us, they really just want validation that in fact, they're not going crazy. Um, when we go in and find things uh, that we can't explain and we say, Hey, we think there's something going on in your house. Most of them, the response is, Oh, cool. I get to say I live in a haunted house now because a majority of the time the the spirits aren't bothering them they're not malicious in any way they just want acknowledgement that their presence is known you know the, the very core of human existence is to be acknowledged nobody wants to go to li- through life knowing that they're invisible and i think that's the same thing with a lot of these spirits right we they just want to know uh they want somebody to know that they're still there and or tell their story um so to your point uh, you know they, there probably wasn't anything malicious they just want you to know that they're there at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I knew. Exactly. But I was exactly. scared going back up there. I felt like I was violating someone's privacy. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like It does. I just was like, all right, well, this is clearly here. Mm-hmm. It's that room. I heard someone died in that room, like a great, great grandmother or something at the time. This house was passed down for a while. Mm-hmm. But when I would go up there, I always felt like I was violating something. It is. And that is an interesting feeling. That's the interesting way that you describe that because, you know, when we go to these locations, um, some of them are our houses, some of them have been former residents of, of, of people. And, you know, it, it is, it is kind of that feeling of, I'm being asked to go into this house that somebody else owned. You know, I, I, I we do a lot of research of the history of, of the people in the the house and the property and all of that to try to see who all live there. But yeah, to your point, it is, it is kind of that feeling like, you know, this was somebody, somebody loved this house. Somebody lived in this house. Somebody died in this house. And and it, you do kind of feel that, that invasion of space sometimes. Want to go into people being scared. Do you agree that people like being scared? 
I do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the reason why the horror genre is so popular. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I think is it is it different when it's actually happening, mm-hmm. or or do people actually still find it cool? You know, well, for us, when we go into these locations, as I said before, we we really delve into the research behind it, and it it ceases to become scary for us, and more about the sense of exploration of what's going on, and being in these historical locations, right? I mean, I get to have a very tactile experience with these these places. I get to you know touch the Lizzie Borden doorknob, or walk up the the stairs of the St. Augustine Lighthouse, or be in a maximum security prison, and that's extremely cool. But there are a lot of people who go into this for that scare factor. To me, that is not what I would consider the right intention or the right way to approach a paranormal investigation, because it's not really like that for us. It, it really is about that sense of reverence for the location and the spirits that we're attempting to communicate with. And so when people ask me, what what do I consider when you start a paranormal investigation team or start to become a paranormal investigator, it, it's one of those where I say, don't go into this just thinking you're going to get scared on a Saturday night. Because for me, that's not really what this is about. You know, that being said, you can't walk through a, a former a sane asylum and and not have moments of trepidation when you're walking down a dark hallway but uh, for us it's it's more about that sense of exploration what did your parents do growing up my parents are, are business individuals. They own their own business, uh, a lot of land property management and such and my mom is an advanced registered nurse practitioner that's cool did you grow up in tennessee no, no, we're from Florida. Uh, we grew up born and raised in, in central Florida. I'm just moving to Tennessee for business purposes. What did they think of all this, of your transition, <laughs> you and your sister doing something totally different? You know, when we first started, it was because because we went to Moundsville, West Virginia in 2014, because that's where my mom was born, right? That's her hometown. Our grandpa was actually a prison guard at West Virginia State Penitentiary before he became chief of police of, of Glendale, West Virginia. So we actually went back there because that's my mom home. That's my mom's hometown. So she was really excited that we went to the West Virginia State Penitentiary that first night. Um, but when we really started going on more of these investigations at first it was like oh, okay okay that's that's all right but when we started finding the evidence that we started finding and capturing the things that we couldn't explain they really became interested uh, you know my parents and my family were an extremely close family and they are our biggest fans and biggest supporters um, you know when you have your dad wearing a soul sisters hat that's that's kind of a, a, a very supportive guy right there so um, now it, it they're fascinated by it they can't wait to the for the next video to come out they can't wait for our next investigation to tell us what to tell them what we found. So yeah, our, our family is 100% supportive of what we do. And then when you reflect back of, I mean, you've had very responsible duties in your life, especially after 9-11. I'm in marketing during the day and my, my, one of my senior classes, junior year, it was about public relations and I was looking up positions and things like that. And Mm -hmm. now like how, and now you're doing this. Do you reflect on that at all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I think... for me, a lot of the roads that I've been down in my life, you know, th- it's very obvious that I need to be on those roads. Uh, you know, we go back to that that Christian background that I spoke about. Um, you know, I've got a very close relationship with God. And then for me, doors that are supposed to be shut, shut very firmly. And it's like, no, you're not going through that anymore. You're turning left here or right here. And so, like I said, this, this for me, when we first started, it 
in my mind, it was never going to be anything like this. It was just going to be us going on a few investigations um, and just having fun as sisters. But then it really started to morph into, okay, I'm highlighting these these very interesting historical locations that maybe not a lot of people know about and they need to be preserved. They need to have the limelight for a second so that tourist dollars can help preserve them so we don't lose that that historical narrative of who we are and why we're here. And so for me, it, it really has become that that quest really, if, if, that, if I could use that word, to really highlight these locations and then any paranormal activity that we find that really becomes secondary to the story that we tell. But yeah, when I reflect back on it, yeah, I, absolutely. There's, um, you know, I, I did have some very interesting jobs. I got to, to travel to a lot of interesting places and meet some very high political and, and well-connected figures in my life. So, uh, th- and I've considered those blessings, absolutely. But for me, this is just something that has kind of led to this and I'm, I'm really excited about what I'm doing right now. That's really cool. That's really cool. What is something that you learned on the job that you weren't expecting? You mean for Soul Sisters? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think really the fact that this is such an an interesting thing that everybody has an opinion on, um, but not a lot of people speak about. You know, <laughs> when you tell somebody that you're a paranormal investigator, first they look at you like you have three heads, um, but then they want to tell you their ghost story and or tell you what happened to them or how their aunt has come to them or their grandma or grandpa. And so it, it is something that everybody has an opinion on, right? I, I think if you go through life thinking that after we die, you just cease to be, I think that'd be a very scary way to look at death. So a lot of people, I think when, when we do this, they really, it really is a conversation starter. So I get to meet a lot of interesting people. I get to hear a lot of interesting stories. And, and like I said, I get to go to so many interesting places. Um, we've been all over the country. Like I said, I've stayed the night in dams and lighthouses and axe murder houses. And, you know, it's, it's just a very cool experience to have, especially get to do it with my sisters. I lived near the Amityville Horror House that they had to then knock down, I believe, Mm -hmm. and then rebuild. I heard that from rumors. I don't know if that's actually Mm -hmm. true. I was told, I I think one time we passed it and I think I was too little or like a kid, just like, oh, cool. Like, but I didn't really register at the time. Now I watch, now I like brag. I'm like, I live near the Amityville (laughs) Horror House and I have no idea Mm -hmm. where it is. You know? <laughs> and see, you know, that's what's so interesting. You know, it, 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 we get to, like I said, we, we highlight these places and even people in the community around those places sometimes come to us and say, well, I never knew that. I never knew about that. I never knew that existed. Um, for example, we investigated the Ma Barker house in Oklahoma, Florida. Um, this was a, it's a very small town. It literally has one stoplight. And in 1935, Ma Barker and her son, Fred, who were two members of the Barker Carpus gang, which was the most notorious gang um, of the 1920s, early 1930s, they rented this house in an, in an attempt to get away from J. Edgar Hoover. And so in 1935, January 16th, 1935, J. Edgar Hoover and his guys tracked them down to this house that they rented. A a gun battle ensued and Ma and Fred were killed in this house. And for months, the national spotlight was on this little rental house in Oklahoma, Florida. And so when we investigated there um, in 2018, 
we 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 did our investigation. We put the story out there. Um, news outlets picked it up. Magazines picked it up. Our newspaper picked it up. And so many people came up to, to us and said, never knew that happened. Never knew that was here. Never dreamed that anything like that happened in Nakawaha. Thank you for highlighting that story. And so for us to be able to tell that story, to be able to bring that to the forefront and say, hey, you know, your community should rally around this, right? This house needs to be preserved. Again, uh, that's what is, is so fascinating and, and exciting about what we do. I, I want to talk to you all night. I just want to hear, I want to hear stories. I want to hear all of it. I watched a ton of videos on your website. That music also gives me awesome vibes, <laughs> which I think Thank is you. great. So, but we are coming to the end, but I want to ask for just one more story of another sure. place that kind of took your breath away, if you're okay with it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, the first one that comes to mind, um, we were investigating the Lizzie Borden house. And I, I think a lot of people know this story, but uh, this was uh, in Fall Rivers, Massachusetts. And in, in 1892, in this, this house, Lizzie Borden was arrested for the murder of her father and her stepmother. Um, they were axed to death and everybody kind of knows the nursery rhyme, but uh, she was subsequently acquitted of that murder. But now that house, it has been preserved. So now that house will allow paranormal investigation investigators to go in and, and see if they can find anything. So we investigated this, this location. Um, there were four Soul Sisters paranormal investigators. And again, we were joined by Miranda from Ghost Biker Explorations. So there were five females in the house. We had the house for the entire night. And when we start setting up our, for our investigations, the very first thing that we do is we turn on our voice recorders and then we go around the house and we set up all of our other equipment. So night vision video cameras, all of that. And so Jenny and Michelle, the, Cara uh, and Miranda and I were upstairs and Jenny and Michelle were in the parlor area, which is where Andrew Borden was killed. And so they had finished setting up in that area and they, but they still had their voice recorders on. So they were just talking, just, you know, kind of talking about the day, just kind of chit-chatting, waiting for us to come down. They didn't hear anything in the moment, but when we went back and we listened to the audio of that conversation, as they're talking, you hear a man's voice saying, I'm standing right here next to you. And so again, they didn't hear it in the moment, but it's clear on the audio. And then later during the night, Kara and Jenny were sitting there talking in the parlor and we had investigated the Velisca Axe murder house the year prior. And so Kara and Jenny were discussing the, the similarities and the differences between the Velisca Axe murder house and the Lizzie Borden Axe murder house. So they were just, again, just kind of chit-chatting and Kara said, either way, that would be a horrible way to go. And again, a man's voice was picked up saying it was, which is kind of interesting because it shows a level of intelligence. It shows that somebody is listening to this conversation and they're interjecting with that answer. So to us, it was, it was very a very interesting catch on the audio recorder. Why can't we hear them in, next to us, but we pick stuff up? Is just the frequency on a different channel? Why, why is that? Well, in some cases, we actually can. Um, there have been numerous investigations where we hear those voices in the moment. I think in those two instances, because they were so involved in their own conversation with each other, they just didn't pick it up. They just didn't hear it. Uh, but later that night, I will say that we were all upstairs. All five of us were upstairs in the room um, that Maggie, the servant uh, to the Bordens, this was the room that she stayed in. And so all five of us were in that room and the door was shut. And so we had these meters, these K2 meters, and Miranda bends over and she puts one on the floor and she goes, here, I'm going to put this down so you can play with it. 
and a man's voice outside the door said, ignore them. And we all heard it. Uh, we all, and the voice recorders picked us up, but we all heard it in the moment. And so there, we do have those instances where we hear them in the moment, but um, to your point, there's sometimes when we're just talking like, like we're talking and we're not expecting to hear anything. So our, our, we're not tuned into it, but we'll pick it up on the voice recorder. I'm going to take a total turn because okay. I want, and I'm bouncing everywhere because I'm just so excited. I didn't even, I didn't know where this conversation was going to go. I had questions, but I'm beyond just like, this is cool shit. So like, <laughs> I'm all over the place to be Let's honest. Let's do this. So I want to give something to, because there's a lot of, I call them driven dreamers. Always looking for more in a good way, pushing their own boundaries, listening to the people who have challenged themselves and taken risks and mm-hmm. things like that. Going around the theme of going from where you were in your career. And like you said, I can't, I, we can do a whole nother episode on those stories and what that is mm-hmm. to what you do today. And just looking at your face, like you look really happy. I can tell you really <laughs> enjoy this a lot. Oh, thank you. I do. We usually talk about how do people get started? But my mm-hmm. question for you is what are advice for people who are afraid to pivot like you did? Well, I guess, I guess the way I kind of looked at it is, you know, it's going to sound cliche, but life is short. As I said before, I was in the corporate environment for a long time. It it was one of those things that I just got kind of burned out by it. I just, I I got burned out. I was, I, I was on an airplane almost every other day. I was, I had so many air miles, you know, I was in a hotel room and when you're in a hotel room and you wake up and you can't remember what city you're in, you know, that, that really starts to kind of take its toll. And so for me, it was one of those things where I kind of wanted to take a step back. I wanted to spend some more time with my family. I'm, I'm not married. I don't have kids, but I wanted to spend more time with my parents, with my sisters. So I ended up moving back to Florida um, to kind of help my parents with the property management and such like that. So I really kind of moved my career back down to Florida at that point. But for me, it really, it was one of those things where I wanted to do something a little bit different, a little bit unique. And it was, it just kind of, like I said, it just kind of fell into place with what we're doing with Soul Sisters. Even though what we do is all self-funded, you know, we don't get any money from this. So I don't, I can't consider Soul Sisters Paranormal a career. Um, It has led me to open up this really cool business with my best friend here in Tennessee. So that, that path led me to that. And, you know, I I don't regret any of it. Of it. It's just one of those things where I said, I, I want something that is a little bit different. Um, life is short. Let's just go for it. I mean, I can always go back to the corporate world. I'll, I can always go back and fall back on, on teaching or, you know, being a professor. I'll always have those credentials behind me, but let's just see, you know, for a couple of years, let's just see where this goes and what happens with it. And so for me, I guess, I guess the answer to your question would be just sometimes don't be afraid to take a risk. I mean, if you can do it, just try it and, and just give yourself a year or two years the worst that can happen is you just go by right back to where you were. Uh, And that's kind of how I looked at it. My mom used to say that she said, no matter what your educational credentials will never be taken away from you. You'll Mm -hmm. always have them to fall back on. Absolutely. And that was a very big motivator for me when I would be like, I don't want to do this or I'm afraid or my girls suck in the dorm, you know, kind of thing, but pulling through it, you're like, no one's ever going to take that away from you. You'll have it for the rest of your life which absolutely. I can and, absolutely relate yeah, to. Yeah, and yeah, and and all of these things are teachable moments, right? I mean, uh, I've been asked to speak at different symposiums, like for example, earlier this year, um, I spoke at Arkansas State University's Delta Symposium. So, you know, not to say that 
I hold myself out as, as better in the paranormal community, but I do think that my educational credentials opens a little bit more doors. And so because of that, I'm able to speak a little bit more on this topic that is really considered a subculture and, and kind of bring it out into the mainstream a little bit more. Because like I said before, everybody has an opinion on it. Everybody has an opinion on the paranormal, but that also can parlay into other things. Like I said, I was able to take Soul Sisters Paranormal and now I run a museum and a historical museum um, with my best friend. So bringing in the aspect of historic preservation as well as paranormal tourism, you know, again, that just ties into what I've been doing with Soul Sisters for the past two years. Yeah, and, and everyone has an opinion. It's so interesting because they just can't explain it. It's mm-hmm. something that's not very, we can, you're creating tangible evidence for something that is very hard for some people to grasp. It's very interesting to me. <laughs> well, well, yeah, it, it, it really is. And it's one of those things, again, where, um, you know, we are putting it out there. If, if somebody wants to watch it, and because I get all the time, you know, I don't believe in that. And that's absolutely fine. I'm not trying to convince anybody. Uh, it, it'd be like trying to convince you that my religion is correct, and I'm not going to do that. So what we put out there is what I feel is a very um, detailed historical narrative of these locations. I couple that with the things that we can't explain in the moment during our time in the in these investigations. And I really leave it up to the audience to decide one way or the other. Like I said, for us, it's very hard to debunk a man standing outside of a hotel room door talking when I know that there's absolutely no man on the property and I can verify that there were no men on the property. So we are, I think, like I said, kind of opening uh, a dialogue of people who want to talk about this and, and maybe, like I said, putting out some, some interesting facts that others might not know about that can help preserve these locations. And then a comment. I just love that it's just badass woman in the dark. There's no men there. I think that's awesome. <laughs> badass woman, like, yeah, we'll we'll do this. We have no problem. I love that. Is it is it a is it a female primary female industry? No, not at all. <clears throat> in fact, it's it's very rare to have an all female team in the paranormal community. Um, I think we're I, I'm, we're only one of a, of a handful that I know of. So most of the teams are co-ed or, or all male teams. And so and that does again the, the fact that we all hold advanced degrees and the fact that we are all female really does kind of set us apart a little bit um, from other teams. Again, not to say that we're better or um, we're just different and our technique is different, our style is different. I, I do think that an all female team uh, goes into a location with a little bit more empathy than an all female or an all male team would. So I think that lends us to getting some different evidence than an all male team would. Um, Not to say that we're empathic per se, but um, I I do think that we go in with a little bit different spin on, uh, on our technique for paranormal investigations. Second to last question. What do you do for fun to decompress? Ride my motorcycle. So uh, I, I have a motorcycle and that's actually how I met Miranda from Ghost Biker. Um, she's a paranormal investigator who rides her Harley Davidson to her locations. So yeah, riding motorcycles, especially through the mountains here in Tennessee is, is a great way to decompress. That's badass. I had no idea what you were going to say, but I think that's really cool. That was a phenomenal thing that I thought. Well, thank you. Thank you. She's badass all around. Christy. I, I, I should be calling yeah. you Dr. Christy, or I should be calling you Dr. Sumner. <laughs> no, that's okay. Christy's fine. <laughs> so Christy, we ask the same thing for whom everyone who comes on the podcast. What is one thing that you've experienced that everyone should go through? Interesting question. 
honestly, I, I think I would have to say just finding that one thing that you're passionate about and just seeing if you can make a success out of it, even if you fail. At least you can say that you tried. Again, I know that sounds cliche, but for me, like I said, it was one of those things that I just wanted to try this and see where it would end up. And I honestly never dreamed that it would it would take me on this course that it's taken me on. I mean, I, I get to speak to, to interesting people such as yourself, and that never would have happened otherwise. So for me, I think there's just take a chance. And I, I think that's that's kind of, like I said, that's what led me here. All right, everybody, visit soulsistersparanormal.com. They have tons of evidence on their videos. There's merchandise and you can talk, you could even hire Soul Sisters Paranormal if you believe that you have some ghosts or spirits in your, in your midst. Also on, go to Facebook for Soul Sisters Paranormal where they are active on social media and you can be able to see all the cool things that they're doing there. Christy, this was one of the funnest conversations I think I've ever had with a human being. You are Aww. officially a lady with lions. Welcome to the community. We are Thank so excited you. to have you. I might be really cheesy and put this towards Halloween only because I have goosebumps and I want to give everyone else goosebumps. Too. <laughs> so cool. And that's fine. Absolutely. I, again, I just really appreciate the support and I appreciate you having me on tonight. Absolutely. All right. Take care. You as well. Bye.